Okay, you guys asked, and I heard you. A number of you requested for me to upload my recordings from my class at church teaching on the prophetic, and so that is what we're doing. For those of you who are unfamiliar, prophetic is a ministry, a type of ministry, where God gives his insights to his people to build up, to edify, and to encourage other people. And so where basically you're a you're a mouthpiece or you see what God is showing you, you hear what God is saying, and you relay that to the person that he puts on your heart. So the prophetic is just a fancy word for hearing God's voice. Now, in some denominations, it's not widely accepted, but I go into scripture about how we can see that it actually is God's desire for us to work with him in this way. In today's episode, I'm talking about the culture of the prophetic, which is to find the golden people. In previous days, in the Old Testament, prophets were known for judgment and calling out sin. But in the New Testament, it works differently. The Holy Spirit has been given that job of convicting the world of sin. And our job is actually to call up the gold that is still inside of people. You don't have to be prophetic to see dirt and sin in people's lives. But it does take the insight of God to see people through the lens of love and to see what many may overlook. So we're going to dive into this. I hope it's good for you guys. And if you missed my two episodes on learning to hear God's voice, it lays a great foundation. And so I would encourage you to go listen to those as well. That's episode 12 and episode 13. So this is part one of this series, kind of a continuation of that. So let's dive in. Hi, and you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenilee Samuel. Okay, so recap for last week. Last week, we talked some fundamentals of the prophetic. And so we talked about how the prophetic, by definition, is seeing and hearing uh, what God is showing us, his visions and hearing his voice. and then as we're led, releasing those things. And that there's three levels of the prophetic, the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and the office of the prophet. And then the spirit of prophecy, Revelation talks about, says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And so that's why a lot of times when you're in worship and you get where you really connect with the Lord and you kind of get in that place where you just really get in touch by his presence and maybe hearing from him or whatever. But that's why you'll start to hear from him is because when he draws near, his presence is the spirit of prophecy. And so um, that right there shows us that all believers can experience the prophetic in the spirit of prophecy, at least. Um, the gift of prophecy is when someone is given the gift to prophesy. Maybe they have a natural bent towards it, whether it was imparted or whether it was given to them from birth. They'll carry that as something that they'll demonstrate in various seasons and various settings of their life. And then the office of the prophet is someone who demonstrates maybe in an, in one of their more immature seasons, a gift of prophecy. But as they mature in that, they'll step into a place of leadership where their role and their responsibility is to activate and to train and equip believers in the prophetic, which is your spiritual sense of sight. And so we talked about those spirit, the spiritual senses of sight and or spiritual senses. I'm sorry. Um, you're in the natural realm. We have five senses. And in the spirit realm, we have five senses as well. And the prophetic is in reference to your spiritual sense of sight. 
Uh, let's see. The two main ways the prophetic operates primarily is seeing. And that's why in the Old Testament, it talked about prophets as seers. Um, that's a, a phrase used more frequently in the Old Testament. However, it's used, I think, a couple times in the New Testament. But any, anywhere you see the word prophet, it's in reference to someone who walks in that mantling of a seer primarily, but also they can hear the Lord's voice as well. Uh, let's see here. New Testament prophets are part of the fivefold ministry. This is all in your notes at the beginning. And their responsibility is to activate, awaken the seer in the body. Let's see, we talked about that. The fivefold offices are each responsible for developing one of your five spiritual senses. So the prophet develops your spiritual sense of sight. The apostle develops your spiritual sense of hearing. Um, the pastor develops your spiritual sense of feeling and touching, which is why pastors are real empathetic. They're very compassionate. They can sit and listen to you. They're very counselor-ish, you know. Um, that's that sense of feeling. They can empathize with the pains of their people. The teacher develops your spiritual sense of smell or discernment to discern between truth and falsehood. And then the evangelist is your spiritual sense of taste. They're meant to awaken in you the encounter and the experience of God. And so the way to develop your seeing, just in summary, was to ask for it. Also connect with a prophet. We have Prophet Phil coming in next month, and he's a great person to connect with. But also um, prophets who have died and gone on and left us their writings. I found that there was a time I was listening to like Kim Clement. Um, I was back when he was alive, especially, and I would listen to his stuff a lot. And I found that just being in that prophetic climate of listening to him frequently, I started to awaken dreams and I was seeing more quickly and, and all of that. And so getting around the prophet is one way to activate that. And we saw that scripturally where Saul in the Old Testament, um, in First Samuel, I believe, both he and his men, when they got around the company of the prophets, the spirit fell on them and they began to prophesy with them. And so being around the prophet, being around the function of the spirit of prophecy will awaken that inside of you. That was a very quick summary of last week. Okay, so this week we're talking about the culture of the prophetic. And this is really important, I feel like, because I've been around the prophetic for a couple decades now. And my husband and I'm, probably many of you have, and you've probably seen all the crazy, fun, wonderful things that <laughs> prophetic atmospheres can bring. And it can bring, you know, people very genuine and sincere and they just want to connect with the Lord. And then you have those people who are a little more sensationalistic about it. And we'll just leave it at that. And so um, that can kind of be a turnoff to the prophetic for a lot of people. I know for me it really was because it just felt like it felt ingenuine. It felt needy. It felt broken um, because in essence it kind of is. And so the reason why we want a healthy prophetic culture is we want healthy prophetic people. Because if we're not operating in a healthy place um, and handling it the right way, we can actually really hurt people and turn them off to this really sweet way that God wants to connect with his people. And so we're going to actually get next week into healthy spirituality, health, emotionally healthy spirituality. That's another book. <laughs> Every week, I'm just kind of pulling from different books. Um, but this week, prophetic culture, which is what we can do to create a climate that is... Um, going to nurture the prophetic in a mature, responsible way. Okay, so first, the first cultural trait of the prophetic is it's meant to edify, to build up, and to exhort believers. We talked about this a little bit last week. 
and those actually are some of your blanks, I believe, to edify, to build up, and to exhort or encourage believers. And we see that in Ephesians 4, which I list a little further down. So what I mean by culture is a culture is, is any kind of set of behaviors, attitudes, and language that's common to a location. Down here in Texas, y'all and gumbo and hurricanes is part of our culture, <laughs> right? I was unfamiliar with all of that when I lived in Arizona. <laughs> and so part of the prophetic culture is it needs to be characterized by an encouraging honoring atmosphere. That is the whole purpose of the prophetic. Um, your mission as someone who's going to walk in a spirit of prophecy, some people get confused by Old Testament prophets and the example that they set where they would call out sin. They would, you know, like Nineveh, Jonah and Nineveh, where he like called out the wickedness and they needed to repent, you know, and that was very common in the Old Testament. That was the role, one of the roles of the prophet back then. Um, there's a number of examples we could go. But in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit has come, and that's his role. Jesus said that when the Spirit comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And our job as believers is to come alongside of the maturing process and to walk in love. The number one command that we have most frequently in the New Testament is to love because God knows it's very difficult to do sometimes. Right. <laughs> and so your mission is to actually call out the gold in people. I believe that may be one one of your blanks. Your mission is to call out the gold in people, not to find the dirt. You actually gold like gold and silver. G-O-L-D. You want to call out the gold and mine the gold in people because really, I mean, you don't really have to be that prophetic to see dirt in people's lives, right? <laughs> Sometimes it's it's pretty apparent. And so little number two, in essence, to find the golden people, what you're doing is you're calling them into remembrance of what God already says about them. And this is where this gets very exciting. Well, you don't have to be prophetic to find the dirt in people's, in people's life, but love actively covers over sin with grace. 1 Peter 4.8 says, above all, love or brotherly love, agape love each other deeply, which means intently, constantly, strenuously. You have to work at it earnestly. It has to be genuine, zealously, which means you're very passionate about loving each other well. <clears throat> For love covers over. It means to hide it, to conceal it, to protect it, to cover it up a multitude of sins or failures or where we miss the mark or where someone has demonstrated a sinful deed. And some people might wrestle with that. Like if I'm always covering love, how are they going to know when they've done something wrong? Right? Like how, how's that supposed to happen? Well, that goes back again. That is the Holy Spirit's job. Now that doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye when there's glaring issues. Like anyone that I've been mentoring or that I'm responsible for helping to grow spiritually, there comes a time when I have to lovingly point out like, Hey, this is, this is something you're doing, and this is in the way of your growth. This is a problem. And those moments can, if I handle it well, feel just as loving as when I'm encouraging them and, and calling out their giftings, right? Because they know, ultimately, it's all driving them towards the goal of becoming more mature in the Lord. And so, but ultimately, like, if, if I'm not being invited into that place to correct, my responsibility is to cover. 
I mean, how many of us have made a mistake where it was just, it's embarrassing enough to make a big mistake or to make a fool of ourselves or say something wrong or cross the line or screw up at work or whatever. And when our boss or our spouse or our friend or whatever, just kind of graciously covers over it and just like, you know what? It's all right. Let's just, we're going to focus on this instead. And it just feels like oh, such a relief, right? Like, oh, I'm not going to be humiliated today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Especially when we're already grieved over our mistake. And that is, that's what love does. Love creates that safe environment because we, we know, because Holy Spirit does his job. He shows us when we've made mistakes. Hebrews 3.13 says, I love this. And I just feel like this is such a key as to why the prophetic is so powerful and why encouragement is so huge. It says, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Every day we have responsibility to encourage each other so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Now, I didn't have a real revelation of this until... I worked under a boss who was not encouraging at all and was very critical and also not very relational. And it caused so much disorientation. It caused so much like, what are they thinking about me? And oh my gosh, did I do that right? And, uh, and so much uncertainty that your brain starts to create the storyline that is not even true. It's, it's like, and that's, I think what it talks about, sin's deceitfulness, because sin is when we miss the mark, right? And so sin is just not quite seeing in truth. And so sin's deceitfulness, that, that lack of seeing clearly can come in and deceive us. And then it hardens our hearts. Then we start to believe bad things about them or the situation or about ourselves. And it's all because of a lack of encouragement. And so it began to wake me up to how important it is that I'm encouraging my kids, that I'm encouraging my husband, that I'm encouraging myself, you know, and that I'm encouraging people. It is huge. And so never underestimate the power of encouraging other people. There was a there was one time I was on the airplane and I was flying home and there's just random stranger guy sitting next to me. And I think we had just recently recovered from Hurricane Harvey. And I had just been observing and appreciating how I could see the nature of men particularly rise to the surface and they would like lay down their lives to go rescue people. And they would like just the hero in men came out. And then women, of course, the nurturing, they were like making sure people had blankets and making sure people were fed and making sure this. And, and I just loved seeing like the fundamental way God has made us like start to shine. And so I was commenting to him about this and about how like heroic men are from the core and da, 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 da. And he was sitting there and it was like, he was like, yeah, yeah. I like how you're talking, you know, and he was like starting to puff up. He's like, I feel better about myself, you know, and he was just like, I was like, well, I just lit this guy up and I just, you know, and I didn't realize like it was encouraging to him because he was like, your people talk like that, you know, it was no big deal to me, but to him it was encouraging. And he like literally walked off the plane like he was floating. I was like, well, that, that was awesome. Cool. That was great. So that's the power of encouragement. Um, the misnomer we kind of address. The prophetic is about calling out sin. That was Old Testament. This is Holy Spirit's responsibility. John 16, 8 says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Psalms 139, 23 and 24 says, search me and know me, Lord, and lead me in the way everlasting. We should be always having that conversation with the Lord. He's the best at it. Holy Spirit is our counselor, and he is the one that the Lord has commissioned to lead us into all truth. And I find that even situations where my heart 
is complicated. I'm hurt or, or confused or offended or whatever. And my heart is like just complicated. And I'm like, Lord, you're the one who has to lead me into all truth. I need you to help connect me with the truth of what's going on in my heart right now. <laughs> and he's so good at it. He does. He brings light to that. Yes. Okay, number three. <clears throat> there is a place, there is a place, and I want to get back to that point of um, the prophetic is not an excuse to ignore sin, um, but there is a place for direction and correction. Now, direction isn't always correctional, right? Direction can be you should go to Africa and become a missionary to the orphans in Africa. That would be like directional. And if I'm prophesying over someone, actually, I think Donna's son was one of the few that I had a directional, and that was firing my bones, girl. Her son, when he came to Kaiafa, uh release back then, and I still remember that word was so powerful, but I prophesied to him about, about the Lord changing his perspective of business and wealth, and it was a sign of his covenant with God and like, and I'm so thankful the Lord was like fire in my bones or else I probably never would have given that word <laughs> because it was so directional. Yeah, I didn't know him at all. Yeah, that's actually when I met him. And so, yeah, but it was so powerful, but it was directional, which can change the course of someone's life. Right. And so typically stuff that's real directional or even sometimes correctional, there have been very few times when I've seen a prophet have to call out sin, but it's typically because the person that the Holy Spirit has been convicting is not responding to the Holy Spirit. So it's very, very rare, but typically that's for the prophets, like the ones who are seasoned and they know how to wield that office, you know what I mean? And so direction and correction, those are not typically the kind of words that you're gonna be ministering when you're prophesying to people or getting a word. Now, if you have a word, it's encouraging, it's gonna build them up, it's gonna edify them, go for it. Like, it's not going to hurt anything. You know what I mean? Like, go for it and encourage, courage away. But if it's directional or if it's correctional, there's a lot more risk with if we're wrong. And so you want to be way, 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 way more cautious. And even when I've gotten stuff like that, he's one of the only ones I can think of that I ever gave a directional word without running it by like Stephen or my pastor or somebody who could like affirm if I should share it or not. You know what I'm saying? And that's just to be cautious. It's a gift, but we don't ever want to be reckless with, with our gifts, right? Prophetic ministry that is used to find sin or issues in a person's life is typically for a counseling or deliverance setting. And that's because the person has come seeking deliverance. They've said, I need your help. I I'm available, use your insight, speak into my heart. And that's where you have permission to lean into that. And that actually kind of falls more into the category of like the discerning of spirits. And probably how many of you guys have been in a setting like that where you've maybe been praying over someone or been prayed over? Yeah, maybe, yeah, a few of y'all. And so, and it's so powerful because sometimes they'll see stuff you don't see, right? Or you'll see things and you see how it kind of unlocks something inside of them. And so the prophetic is a, is a tool in that kind of environment but again, it's a very specialized environment that's that's for that. It's counseling, deliverance, that kind of thing. Um, Holy Spirit, we've hit this quite a few times. Holy Spirit is our counselor. He brings conviction. His job is to lead us into all truth. Old Testament prophets used to speak on behalf of God. But in New Testament, prophetic voices are meant to edify and exhort what God is already witnessing to your spirit. Prophets are never, ever meant to replace Holy Spirit's role in your life. And I think that goes back to why sometimes the unhealthy dynamic of prophetic services or whatever, where people just come kind of needy. And I think that's what makes it feel unhealthy 
is when they're not actually doing the work of seeking the Lord at home. They're coming and expecting the prophet to be their voice or be God's voice to them. And that, no, like God did not set it up for that purpose. Like that's why Jesus died so that God could speak directly to us, right? So there's no barriers. And so, okay, so cultural trait number two, that first one was that the prophetic is to edify, build up, and exhort. So we want a culture, a climate of encouragement around the prophetic. Cultural trait number two is love and honor, which really, they go hand in hand. But I thought this was interesting. Now, we dug into this a little bit last week, but we're going to kind of expound on it more. Um, cultural trait two, love and honor. Okay, different types of gifts received from the Trinity. Prophecy is in all three of those sets of gifts. And I'm going to get into those in one second. And love is the foundation for all three sets. So let me say that again. All the different types of gifts that are given to us by the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Prophecy is in all three sets of those gifts, and love is the foundation of all of those gifts. So I'm going to show you this. The gifts from God, and as I was studying this, I got so excited because I started just seeing more and more to this. I love how it even shows the progression in us. Okay, Romans 12, I'm not going to get ahead of myself here. Romans 12, 3 through 8, talks about... Uh, let's see here. For by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith that God has given you or grace. Just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is to prophesy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it's serving, let him serve. If it's teaching, let him teach. Encouraging, let him encourage. Contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it's leadership, let him govern diligently. And if it's showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. These are the gifts that God gives us. And many of those are given at birth. They're inherent to our personality, right? Well, what I love about this is right after that, the very, very, very next verse is about love. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, and it goes on. So I'm like, hmm, okay, love is either at the front end or the back end of every one of these passages, which I thought was pretty fabulous. So I love that God, as a sign of the fact that God breathed his spirit into us, you will naturally have gifts that set you apart on the earth as unique, okay? Secondly, then Christ will give you gifts. And this is the fivefold ministry and the gifts that Christ gives are actually people. They're the leadership in the church brought to come alongside of you, just like a brother who lends a hand to a brother. Christ is also our brother. And so as a sign that you are pulled into a family now, not only are you alive, God's gifts are a sign that you have life. Jesus' gifts are a sign that you're in a family. And that's the fivefold offices. And so that's in Ephesians 4, 7 through 12, which we talked about last week. Um, these gifts are people, the apostles, the prophets, the pastors, the teachers, and the evangelists, and they're for the maturing of the saints. Well, then, if being alive wasn't enough, if being in a family wasn't enough, now the Holy Spirit wants you to walk in all the fullness and show that you've received him, so he gives us the power gifts. 
which is the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, Christ's gifts, sorry, I got ahead of myself. In Ephesians 4, where it talks about the fivefold ministry, love is actually listed. Let me find it here. It talks about unity in the body of Christ. It goes into the fivefold ministry. And then it talks about the importance of loving one another. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4. And then, so Christ's gifts are assigned to your part of the family. Third is the gifts of the Spirit, 1 Corinthians 12. What is 1 Corinthians 13 about? Love. It's the love chapter. If you notice, every one of these passages that talks about the gifts, it is surrounded by passages that talk about the importance of love. And so I just think that's so significant. God is like, hey, listen, none of these gifts I've given you are going to be able to function if you don't walk in love. And God's kind of love is the hard kind of love. It's the kind of love that requires that you are dead. <laughs> very, very dead. <laughs> and those of us who have had to love difficult people, we understand that very dead concept. <laughs> and so, but the gifts of the spirit, these are the power gifts. So God breathed life into us and gave us the gifts that come in at our birth. And then Jesus gave us the gifts of the fivefold offices. And then the Holy Spirit empowers us to live this life because who? He is our helper, right? He is the counselor. So he comes alongside and empowers us with the power gifts so that we can function in this life that Jesus died to make us a part of. Isn't that cool how full circle that is? I just got so excited. And so, okay, so then the little I-5-1-V-4, um, these must all function on a foundation of love and honor. Love and humility is like God's highway. It's like a What's the word? It's like a frequency on the radio. It's like if it's not tuned in quite right, you just can't really hear clearly. It's the same thing. How many of you guys, kind of like what are the examples that Crystal gave us, is that people couldn't hear any kind of truth that might have been in what he was saying. He was using scriptures, right? But you can't even hear the truth of it because the frequency is like static because all they can hear is his hateful judgment, right? Of like, you need to repent. God doesn't like you. It wasn't even true. But any kind of truth that might have been in those passages, they couldn't even hear it. And so love and honor is God's highway. It's his posture. It is what those gifts will flow inside of. So there is a gentleman at Cathedral that Stephen and I have been longtime friends with. His name is Dan, Dan Varela. And he loves people better than I know. But he has trained himself to look for the gold inside of them. He's trained himself to look at them through the eyes of the Father, to see them totally fulfilled. So it's like, no matter what kind of, if I got rude or if I had, it, which it's hard to mess up around him because he just brings out the best in me because he sees the best in me, right? Well, that's what love does. Love actually accesses that scientifically. Love actually causes your brain to open up and it causes your, even your biology to respond in a way that's energized and resourceful in a way that you can't if you're highly criticized or constantly corrected. And so it's like when you're constantly corrected or judged, that's why people start to feel like maybe you've been around someone that you're around them and it feels like you can do no right, right? You're around someone like that, it feels like, ah, I just can't please you, you know what I mean? Well, that's because if they're not walking in love, it actually shuts down our capacities when we're around them. And it takes a conscious effort to still be yourself, right? So it's the same way with your gifts and with bringing out the gifts in other people. The prophetic is powerful because if you're looking through the lens of love, you're actually going to see the glimpses of the father that he's put inside of them. 
and then you can speak those things and then it's going to cause them to open up and to begin to flourish. You could break stuff off of people just by speaking from that place of love. Love never fails, right? You speak that place of life and that place of love and you can really awaken what's inside of people. And that's the goal. We want to tap into God's heart that is buried deep inside of them. God's image is embedded in every one of our hearts and we want to access that with the prophetic. Okay, so culture principle number three. So number one was edify, build up, and exhort. Number two was must function in love and honor. Number three is servanthood. All of our gifts, every single one of them, if you notice, even when I read, they're all for the benefit of other people. They're all to serve people. And I highlight this because when my husband and I were doing school of ministry, or we'd pull people into leadership, we would always evaluate what, what place in their heart were they coming from when they would operate in their gifts? Was it a showmanship of like, look at me, I'm so spiritual, I could give you all the words, I could be all prophetic, you know what I mean? Was it, I got this gift of healing, watch me heal, you know? Or was it, they have compassion and they want to minister to people and that's where those gifts are operating from. And so as we read in the passages, it says, each of you has varying gifts meant to serve the body. Your gifts are here not to serve you, but to serve the body. That also means sometimes God will ask you to use your gifts when you don't feel like it. <laughs> We've all maybe been there at some point. Gosh, I remember one time being in Target. Oh, I have a love-hate relationship with giving prophetic words to strangers. I'm not very, like evangelism is like my bottom spiritual gift. It's like way <laughs> down here. And so like giving words or ministering to people that I have no relationship with is very uncomfortable for me. So I remember one time being in Target and the Lord was like prompting me to like go give this word to this perfect stranger. And I was like, <laughs> like walking the other direction. And I was like, okay, Lord, if I'm going to give this word, you have to like remove all fear right now because it's not going to happen. And sure enough, the Lord just like, all the fear went away. And suddenly I had the courage to go give this word. And I was like, la, 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 give the prophetic word. And they're like, <laughs> you know, it was just a great moment. And so, but our gifts are not to serve us. <laughs> our gifts are to serve people, right? And so we're going to have to deal with fear at some point in that process as well. But this is important to point out because of a lot of times people, when they start to develop and grow in the power gifts, it is very easy to lean into those gifts as a prop, like, look how cool I am, or look how spiritual I am, or whatever, blast it all over Facebook, take pictures, you know, and there's a time and a place for it to celebrate what the Lord has done. But, you know, you got to know where your heart is coming from. So the operation of your gifts was never meant to be evidence of God's approval on your life. God approves of you. End of story. It is simply an expression of the glory of God that lives inside of you because you're a believer and you are meant to awaken that inside of the next person, right? To bear fruit according to its kind. We want to bear fruit according to our kind, right? We need to, our gifts should operate in a God and others centric way. Verses one through two in Ephesians four says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received. As believers, we all have a calling 
to minister the love of God to people, right? And we also all have a calling to function prophetically. Paul says, I desire that all of you would prophesy because it's for the edification of one another, right? So all of us have a calling and it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Right there, walking in humility is actually having a God consciousness, trusting God, leaning into God, wholly dependent on God. That's humility. And then being patient and bearing with one another in love, that is a people consciousness. And so your gifts that he's given you, living a life worthy of your calling, means you're going to live a life that's God conscious and people conscious. And that is the pure platform that our gifts need to operate from. Verse 11 says, so Christ gave himself the apostles, the prophet. You guys are going to get sick of this verse by the end of this series. Um, the evangelists, pastors, teachers to equip the people for the works of saints. So the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. God wants his mature bride who is spotless and blameless. The whole reason we do this is because our mission is to build up his bride, to make his bride ready for his return. Went before I met my husband. His prayer was, God, give me grace to make your make your bride ready. And I asked that you'd make my bride ready. <laughs> sure enough, I came along finally. And we're both still working together on that making the bride ready part. Um, okay, so culture principle number four is the prophetic should always point to God. The prophetic should point to God because the prophetic brings hope because we see God's sovereignty and his great grace whenever the prophetic is operating. God's sovereignty and great grace. How many of you guys have ever been in a service where you see a prophet giving out prophetic words, ministering to people prophetically? Have we all seen that? If not, come when Prophet Phil is here, you'll see it. <laughs> well, the beautiful thing is, I don't know about y'all, but I always end up crying. Like every prophetic word that's given, I'm like, <laughs> it's so beautiful. <laughs> Because if, even if I don't know the people, I can see by their face that they're being touched by God or people that I do know. And I'm just like, only God knows those little tiny intimate details. And it's just so beautiful, you know. And so I love it because you see God's sovereignty in that. You see how big he is. You see that he doesn't miss anything. And then so the prophetic is always meant to point our eyes back to God. When you see this in operation, when you give a prophetic word to someone, it should make them overwhelmed that God sees them which is at the core of our human nature. We just want to be seen. We just want to be heard. We want to know we matter, right? One of the things that I loved right before Harvey came, I don't know, did I tell you guys this about my dream before Harvey came? Okay. Um, so God knowing all the details and God's sovereignty, how the prophetic reminded me of his sovereignty. Right before Harvey came, I had a dream. We didn't know, we knew we had some water. We didn't know how much water we had in our house. So Stephen was at the church at Cathedral organizing all the distribution of everything. And then I was in Tyler calling in airplanes of supplies while I was taking care of the kids. So I have a dream that night, one of those nights before we knew. And um, in the dream, I walked in our front door and I saw water lines up my, in my fireplace and my TV. And I saw water lines next to the TV. And that was all, everything was white, even though my house was blue. Um, everything was white. I had total peace and that was all. So I wake up and I was like, thinking about it. I was like, I had peace. I wasn't scared. It's all white. Maybe that's God. I don't know. So I called Stephen and I was like, listen, I don't know, but there's a chance that maybe the Lord's preparing our hearts that we've lost everything. 
just letting you know, but I just have total peace. We're going to be okay. Like I just have total peace. And so I literally, the whole process of having lost everything we owned, I just had this peace. And it was because of how the Lord gave me that dream, showing me his sovereignty in our life. Sure enough, when Stephen comes in to look at the house for the first time, he's videotaping and you saw water lines up the wall and it was about as high as the top of our TV. So we had eight feet of water. It was crazy. Um, but it was just that that was prophetic. God gave me a dream to, to prepare our hearts, you know, and it just reminded us of his sovereignty. So the prophetic should always point to the sovereignty of God that he sees us. He's got it. He's got it under control. Number two, it should produce the fear of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord is a fear or a distaste for having a broken relationship with him. We don't want a broken relationship with God. The prophetic should whet our appetite for knowing him better, for having a closer connection with him. His kindness, which is one of your blanks, his kindness draws men to repentance. Not God walking around bashing us over the head with the Bible. It's his kindness that makes us want to draw near to him. We all want to see, feel seen, heard. And like we matter in a relationship with God satisfies that and the prophetic magnifies it. Little, little number three, by the way, I think my outline got all sort of sketch and wonky all over the place. And that is the computer's fault. Just saying. <laughs> I tried. Um, so Chris Valatin, one thing that I feel like is such a great illustration of it's not to expose sin, which I don't mean to harp on this, but it's so important because sometimes when we start looking, you're going to see people's stuff. You're going to discern their junk. You're going to see their junk. And you have to train yourself to when you see that stuff to continue to look deeper because you're going to see the dirt first. You have to look deeper past it to look for the gold of what God calls them, of what God said about them before the foundation of the world. To hear God says so many things about them. It should be easy as we develop our sense to hear one thing, two things, three things of what God says. And so Chris Valentin had the story. He's a pastor at Bethel. And when he was growing in the prophetic, he thought Old Testament prophet. I can see people's junk. I'm here to call it out. And so he would prophesy over people for years. He did this calling out their stuff. And then there came a point when. He read that passage in 1 Corinthians 14, 24 and 25. It says, but if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they're convicted of their sin and they're brought down under judgment as all the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So that's what he thought. He was like, I'm here to lay bare all their secrets. They should come. <laughs> they should be convicted of sin because of this prophetic. But then it says, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming God is really among you. And he thought about it. He was like, I don't know anybody who has actually been moved to the point of worship after I've prophesied about their sin. He was like, huh. And so he, I think, I don't know if it was Bill, Bill um, Johnson got up and gave a word about offense, I think is what it was. And so he said, if you're offended with anybody, you know, get up and go deal with them. So, so Chris was sitting there. He's like, huh. I'm really offended with anybody. That's great. He looks around and pe all kinds of people are moving around. So he's like, oh, that's awesome. You know, people are dealing with their stuff. And then he turns around and there's this line behind him of all these people that were offended with him. And he was like, Ugh. and he listened as every one of them was like, I've been offended with you because you called out my sin and I was humiliated. And I had to work through that offense and I had to work through that. And he was like, Oh my gosh, he was like, I wanted to hide under the pews when I was done. You know, it was horrible. But it's because he didn't take the full counsel of that passage. He didn't realize 
the prophetic is meant to draw people into an encounter with the Lord and to worship because God is so good, right? The Holy Spirit will bring that conviction. So part of seeing into people's heart is you see the destiny and things that God has put inside of them. I love that God calls us what we are not as though we are. And this plays to this because many times as we as you're maturing in this um, sensitivity, it's going to be easy to stop at what you see initially. But just keep in mind that God calls us what we are not as though we are because he sees the end from the beginning, right? He doesn't get distracted with today. He sees it contextually for the whole journey. And when I was in college, I, I came to discover this revelation. I was doing a fast and I was like, I was at Bible school and I was like, I do not have a pure heart. I don't have a pure heart at all. I just have so much selfish ambition. And I just want everybody to notice me. And this is terrible. I need a fast because I need God to change me. And so I like did this. I was very dramatic. I was 18. So <laughs> anyways, and so I'm doing this fast. So I'm sitting with my roommates and they're passing around like Reese's pieces or something or Reese's buttercups. Like they're amazing to begin with. And uh, so they're passing it around and I take one and I eat one. And I, at that point, I didn't like peanut butter in my life. But I eat it and it was just so good. And I was like, wow, why was that so good? I want another one. So as I'm taking a second one, right as I'm about to put it in my mouth, my roommate was like, wait, aren't you fat? And I was like, <gasps> and I'm like spewing chocolate, you know, like I'm fasting. I can't be eating right now. And I'm like all dramatic. And so as I'm like trying to get it out of my mouth, I hear the Holy Spirit laugh and I hear him say, oh, Jen, you are my pure in heart. And I was like, wait a second, you know, I'm not pure in heart. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, of all people, you know, you know? And so, but it just, and then I went and found that scripture. I didn't even know it was a scripture. I went and found that scripture that says that God calls us what we are not as though we are. And that's the power of the prophetic. You get to call people what they have not stepped into. You get to call them into remembrance of what God said about them before the foundations of the earth. And with your words, you get to make room for that to be activated and awakened in their life. You're partnering with God in that. You're calling them what they are not as though they are so that there is a grace for them to step into that. Oh, so exciting. Okay. Um, and last little quote right there. Satan knows your name, but he calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. So powerful. Getting to the end here. You guys have been so patient. Y'all are listening so good. Um, why is the culture of the prophetic so important? God is trying to restore us to his original design. This whole journey of us on earth, Adam and Eve started in the original design. The garden, the glory, the presence. They were naked. And then, <laughs> and God's like, hey, let's get back to that whole thing of no barriers and no hiding and no shame. Let's get back to that. So here's Jesus. And so now we're in this process of redeeming and sanctifying our hearts and our minds that are still all broken and messed up, but our spirit is in connection with the Father. And so that's the whole point of the prophetic. The prophetic is to continually remind people who you are, what God says about you, what he designed you for. Romans 3.23, we are created for the glory of God, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We were actually made for his glory. Adam and Eve, Jesus, Moses, Enoch, they all walked in it. We're actually made for his glory. So the Holy Spirit brings conviction and of judgment, sin, and righteousness. But the power gifts are meant to convict people of the glory 
of what they fell short of. So the power gifts are not meant to convict us of our sin. They're meant to remind us of the glory we're meant to walk in. Does that make sense? So those power gifts are meant to be a demonstration to create an appetite in people for what they know in their spirit. Like the word says that God has written eternity in the hearts of men. Everyone knows that there's a piece of God and there's a bigger destiny inside of them than what they're walking in. That's what these power gifts are for. Little two eyes. God was with us before the foundations of the world. Ephesians 1.4 and Jeremiah 1.5 both talk about how he knew us before the womb. He knew us before the foundations of the world. He had plans for us. There's also places in the scripture that talks about, uh, did I write it down? Oh, yep. Psalms 139.16. God wrote a book about you. It says, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. In fact, sometimes this is a fun thing to pray. I actually pray all the time. Actually, the Lord showed me the book over America one time, and he showed me. There's only one set of words on each page, but he showed me the book of America when I was in prayer. And so I began to decree what he showed me on those pages. And so I pray frequently, God, show me what's on the books in my children's life. Because I want to pray from the place of total agreement with what they're designed for. Because then if you ask what is in God's will, you have what you've asked for, right? And so I asked the Lord, show me what's in those books. And I asked the Lord all the time, firmly plant my feet, firmly plant my children's feet on the paths that you marked out for us before the foundations of the world. Those ancient paths that you designed for us, that's what the prophetic taps into. And that's part of why it's so powerful. You're realigning people with their their destiny that's written in their DNA. Last little bit, the prophetic releases a grace to us within that prophetic word for new life to be activated. This is so exciting. I heard a story, I think it was Chris Vallotton had the story. He had a word for this woman that he was like, I see you leading worship and I see you writing songs and your songs are actually gonna go around the world. And she looked at him and she was like, I cannot sing and I don't play an instrument. And he was like, that's what I saw. <laughs> and he just like goes on for it. Well, she came back to him like a year later. She said, I don't, or she wrote him an email or something. She said, I don't know if you remember me, but you prophesied about this. She said, at that point, I couldn't hold a note. I couldn't play an instrument. She said, but I went to bed that night. And when I woke up, I could actually sing. And she said, somehow I actually knew how to play the piano. And she said, and I started hearing these songs. And so I started writing them down. So she started cultivating that inside of her. And within a year, she had written a song that her church used and her church had a big platform and it went around the world. And so he, he was making the point. He said, when you release a prophetic word to someone that's from the heart of God, there is a grace on that prophetic word to do what it has accomplished. In creation, where it said that God spoke the world into existence and he said it was good. Well, in the New Testament, it talks about how the word that goes forth from the father's mouth will accomplish that for which it's intended. Right. You do a little digging. Basically, what it meant is the reason he said that creation was good meant it aligned with the image and the picture that he had in his heart and his words had accomplished what he intended. And so basically what he saw in his mind is what his word accomplished. And guess what? You're made in God's image. And so the very DNA that was in God that created the world is the same DNA that's inside of you. And it operates when you're operating in the prophetic. And so when you're releasing words that are from God's heart, 
you are literally awakening. There's a grace on your words to activate those things in people's life. It's so powerful. There was a guy when I was in Bible school that um, I would call, I, I was a cold caller. So I'd call and leave messages like crazy. It was like the worst job ever, <laughs> but um, kind of fun things happen. That's actually how I met Steven. Um, but anyways, there was this one kid that I called and I noticed in my computer that he had dyslexia. Like someone had left notes, he had dyslexia. So I was like, whatever, I'll just pray and leave a voicemail uh, of prayer, you know, because we had to pray with everybody we called. And so I was on the phone and I was just praying. And as I was praying for him on his voicemail, uh, I just saw in my mind him, his eyes, words straightening out and that he could he could see and read properly. And so I was like, I'll just pray it. So I just prayed it. Fast forward a year. I had graduated. I come back to visit. He had actually become an intern. And so when he found out I was on campus. He was trying to track me down. He finds me and he says, listen, he said, you left a voicemail on my phone. We know where this is going, right? And he said, that next day, he said, I went to school and I did not struggle to read anything. He said, you prayed for me and God healed me of dyslexia. I was like, what? That's the coolest thing ever. <laughs> not gonna lie, I kind of didn't expect anything to happen, but that's awesome, you know? But I went with what I saw. I released the prophetic and there was a grace on those words and it awakened and activated that healing. So Jesus demonstrated, and this is how we can pull and glean for all of this. Jesus demonstrated a life of glory. And it says in John 14, 11, he says, believe me that I am in the father and the father is in me, that intimacy, or at least believe on account of the works themselves, those power gifts, Truly, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I am doing, and he will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me for anything in my name, I will do it. So Jesus even promised Jesus was the greatest prophet that ever lived. He walked in healings, signs and wonders, and said, we'll do greater things. It's a little hard for us to wrap our minds around, if we're honest, but it all starts with one step and moving in that direction and walking in obedience. And so walking in the prophetic and connecting, and the key right there is the Father is in me and I'm in the Father. Intimacy, remember the, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So intimacy with the Father is where all of this hinges. Your ability to walk in love hinges on that. Your ability to know what his heart is saying about people hinges on that intimacy. And so making that a priority in your life is the greatest way for you to begin to grow in the prophetic. Ask the Father to show you his heart and his thoughts about people. Start with the people in your life. Start with your spouse. Start with your children. If those are too difficult, start with, you know, your neighbor. <laughs> But start with somebody, somebody that you love, somebody that you can love. Ask God, show me your heart. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was like, you know, I need to I need to challenge myself prophetically. And so I was like, Lord, my sisters, give me words for my sisters. And so my twin sister, man, I just blah, 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 all the things. And it was like a page long. And so I send it to her and she's like, I can't. <sighs> she's like crying, you know. But it was so powerful because we've even seen ever since I released that word to her, 
God start to fulfill it and God start to answer it in just such sweet ways. And then my sister, I released something to my older sister and something about her being a gift and da da da. And she's so special in this and whatever. And she goes, Oh my gosh. She's like, I just went and bought gifts for all kinds of people. It was a word actually about her gift giving nature and about her being a gift. And she had just gotten done at the store buying gifts for people, but it was something that encouraged them and gave such life to them. But it started with me spending time with the Lord and saying, Father, share your heart with me about my sisters. And I was in a place of love. I love them, you know, so it was easy to see what he was saying. So in summary, you guys are awesome. No one's falling asleep on me. I'm so proud of y'all. In summary, the culture surrounding the prophetic should be one of love and honor. We honor people. We protect people. Love covers them. We don't shame anyone. We don't expose anyone. We're loving and honoring them. It's built on servanthood. The point of me walking in this gift is to build you up as a believer that you might encounter the Father and be reminded of just how much he loves you. It'll point to Jesus. Walking in the prophetic will remind people, God sees you. God knows you. Especially when people have been walking in shame, guilt, feeling far from the Father. You just, you'd never know when someone's feeling like that. And a prophetic word can break all of that. That the, their heart is hardened by sin's deceitfulness, right? That encouragement breaks that off of them and reminds them, I don't have to keep walls up. I can be broken with the Lord. and He's safe and he loves me anyways. It calls us back to our original design for carrying God's glory. We're looking for those seeds inside of them that God has put inside of them. You can find the golden people or you're looking for the golden people. Anyone can find the dirt. But only God can see the gold that he has yet to mine from someone's heart. Only God knows what he buried, and he's going to show it to you if you ask. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. For those of you who've rated or shared this podcast on social media, thank you. Reading your comments and reviews always means so much to me. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say, hey, it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Thank you to each of you for your ongoing support. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Until next time, remember... You've got this, and God's got you.